Double Shot Tuesday continues with this. As I often say, we might be the only college football broadcast that uses Young Gravy in our music library. And when he first hit the riff, I thought, wait, Rick has, oh, wait a minute, here comes the man, Young Gravy. I don't even know what he just said there. I, 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 I know like making poutine. Yeah, I didn't even know that. Uh, that's my man, Young Gravy. The song is Betty. <laughs> Betty, get, parentheses, get, Betty get money. Betty get money, yeah. Um, Anyway, welcome to Double Shot uh, Tuesday. I have no idea this is going to go. This counts. Oh, it does. His name's Young Gravy. I can't believe you're against the Stretchy Pants song. That's a little bit of a stretch, pun intended, but that's okay. Um, On our Double Shot Tuesday theme today, with Thanksgiving in a couple of days, these are artists or songs that have some sort of connection to Thanksgiving, of all the different foods or uh, what you connect to Thanksgiving. Uh, 50857 on uh, the text line for today's Double Shot Tuesday theme. Uh, Scott is back. What's going on? What's up? Had a little extended uh, weekend. Uh, we missed him. Chris Vasquez was in with us. Chris said it was his last show of doing the Beat of Sport. It was, yeah. Today's his last day with Johnny's house. Yep. Yeah. I told him until August when he'll be back. But uh, he swears he's, he's leaving. So we wish him well. But uh, it's good to have Scott back. Did you have a, a nice little time. I away? did, yeah. I just, I actually just texted you a, a, a video of a, texted me a video me this weekend. Uh, I'd also like to thank Mark. Hold on a second. What are we got? Oh, this was the five k. Was the turkey trot? Why are you by yourself? It was in waves, and I was catching up to the group that had already gone. It was cold and raining, and as you can hear in the video, why? What? what why should I not believe that you just did this with your friends and go here, shoot this, and pretend like I'm in a race it's not a race it's a, it's just a trot it wasn't a yeah, race see anybody else running here well watch the watch the, the other part of the video yeah okay it's very cold this looks like you got some friends shooting on your phone or something it's very cold yeah okay uh, i'd also like to thank mark for giving me a heart attack on sunday i gave you a heart attack on sunday yeah you texted me at five o'clock going you're doing the ucf basketball game right and i said yes you made me think that i was late no no well i didn't i i didn't mean that scott adams was in the bahamas of the tough assignment being down at the five-star resort for five days he said hey uh who's producing the game and i go i think it's scott Mm -hmm. and i just decided let me double check in advance Mm -hmm. So I, I wasn't trying to say you were late. And then you said that I'm like, it's a 6.30 tip, and you're like, or 6.30 pregame, and you're okay. like, yes, dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, did something change and I not know about it? Oh, you felt the dot, dot, dot was like leaving it out there? Yes. Uh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I'm a dot, dot, dot guy sometimes. Well, in that situation, made me drive a little bit faster on my way. Uh, no big deal. Um, yeah, so I, I ran the turkey trot. It was raining and cold, freezing on Sunday morning. Uh-huh. So so there was that. But it was, Mark, it was from the spin place to the coop and back. That's all it was. Okay. Yeah, there's no medals or anything. It was just everyone go hey, when you want to go. We're all winners in our heart. I felt like I deserved we're it. We're all winners. Yeah. You know? Uh, I feel like I deserved uh, an award for that. We're all winners. Yeah, that's all that matters. Uh, had to go uh, get an oil change yesterday. Yeah. Do you want to guess how long? Well, it depends. Did you go to a dealership or one of those quick uh, oil change places? Quick places. 
I'm going to guess 16 minutes. I think even less than that. Yeah. Yeah. Stay in the car, right? Yeah, you stay in the car. Right. Which is weird. The guy in front, like, come on, forward, forward. And then he puts his hands up, like, stop, forward. Oh, Or they do the... Right, right. Let, let, let. It, it. All right, oh. Yeah. All right. So there's that. Uh, had to go back to the Genius Bar for my laptop. Yeah. Do you want to guess how long it took for me to drop off my laptop? How long to drop off your yeah. laptop? Yeah. I don't know. How long? 40 minutes. Is it fixed? It is fixed now. They quoted me three to five when I first went there. Three to five hundred or three to five hours? Days. Oh. And then when I dropped it off, they're like, uh, it'll be five to seven. I go, uh. Mm, yeah. It says right there on your little tablet, three to five. Mm-hmm. So they actually got it done in less than a day. So it's glad about that. It's expensive, but. It working? It was working fine. It's just the battery wasn't lasting as long. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, so that happened. Uh, I was over uh, uh, hanging out at a uh, event with goats and mimosas the other day. Okay, sounds like a Stephen King movie right now. It's a lot right? of fun, though. Uh-huh. Yeah. You just drink mimosas and there's goats running around. Mm-hmm. And you can pick them up, sit in your lap. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. All right. Yeah. Cool. It was a fun weekend. Good. And now I'm going to spend all my money shopping. Okay. Well, good. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you did a great spin class yesterday morning. All right. Finished first. Nice. Seems like it's been a good few days. It's been a bit. It's, it's did you a, miss us? I did miss you guys. Uh, yeah. That's all that matters. I didn't. I, I'll be honest. I didn't listen. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not offended. You know, it's all right. Uh, one I listened the, to some of the game on, on, on Saturday. Which part? <laughs> Free game. <laughs> Uh, um, one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history happened this morning. Saudi Arabia beat Argentina. Lionel Messi scored in a penalty kick, and people thought it was easy road for Argentina. Um, and then Saudi Arabia scored uh, in the 48th and 53rd minute. And uh, from a betting odds standpoint, Saudi Arabia was plus 1,800. It's the longest odds to win a World Cup game since they've been doing that. And historians of the World Cup will tell you it is one of the biggest upsets. Let me give you the equivalent. It is the equivalent of a 16 beating a 1 in the NCAA tournament. And not one of the good 16 teams. Uh, If you were to ask soccer experts to rank the 32 World Cup teams, Saudi Arabia and Qatar would be 31 and 32, whatever order you want. Uh, And Argentina would be one of your three best teams. And they lost 2 to 1. They can still win their group, but it is a shocking upset. And for what is going to be Lionel Messi's final World Cup, not an ideal way to start. First time since 90 that Argentina has lost their first match at a World Cup. They had gone unbeaten in 36 consecutive group matches. Not wins, but unbeaten. How about that? Um, wow. Uh disappointing draw by the U.S. yesterday. Very at the one nothing lead. Uh, looked as if they were in a good position, maybe a little bit too conservative. It's the right call on Gareth Bell taking the penalty, uh, and he ties it. And they, Mark, they just stopped doing anything in the second half. It's like let's just park the bus, let's yeah. not make any subs. And then my favorite part is the Gio Reyna. Why didn't he come in the game? Well, he's not 100 percent. Gio Reyna after the game, I'm completely well, not fit. Just, well, well, he said not just 100 percent, and then Gio Reyna said yes. That the style that they were playing didn't suit him, and you're like, isn't that supposed to be one of our best players? And so, yeah, not good. And then the pressure on to 
try to get a point against England, which and is going to be hard. England, like they're playing, they're playing BCS soccer right now, running up the goal, goal differential. Well, they big. cared, like that was big. That was big. So, uh, and matches uh, today: uh, Denmark and Tunisia scored us in the eighty-third minute. And we'll follow uh, that match, and then I think Mexico, Poland, Mexican, Poland, and then France and Australia. The matches. Uh, coming up. Magic loss last night, so the two games against the Pacers um, after the Jalen Suggs three-pointer to help beat the Bulls, Magic I think gave the game away against Indiana on Saturday and then got beat uh, last night and add Chuma Okeke to the list of injured players and there you go. But At 5-13, and 13, in case you're wondering, the pace is on to win 22 or 23 games. But you know what? Statement win. Statement win, right? Well, it you know it feels like the Knicks have been on the road for a few weeks this West Coast trip, but uh, shootout beating the Thunder, one twenty nine to one nineteen uh, for the Knicks last night. They scored seventy nine first half points, and uh, All Star to be Jalen Brunson went for thirty four and nine assists last night. So we'll take it. You know, beat the Thunder. It's hard to go into OKC. Kevin Durant. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, <laughs> Nick Collison. Really hard to go there and win. So I mean, yeah. Serge Ibaka. Knicks are nine and nine after that win. Ashim to beat. Um, a little bit heavy on football today, but that's a good thing. Uh, Cam Meller is going to join us. Normally, he's with us on Thursdays with a holiday this week. Cam's going to be on with us ten seventeen today from Pro Football Network and College Football Network. Uh, talk about the performers on the field and uh, some of the uh, players to watch this coming weekend. We're not doing a show on Thursday. You can call me and we can talk if you want. Okay, for cool. A couple of hours. Uh, Matt Michelle normal Tuesday visit will take place at ten thirty five today, and then he's back, and we'd like to have him on. Danny Cannell from uh, CBS Sports Network is uh, back to make an appearance in advance of the Florida Florida State game coming up on Saturday. Yes. Are you going to do that thing? Because I've noticed a trend when we have Danny Cannell on. What's that? You always find a way to interject yourself into the interview. You mean by bringing up something that I'm involved in to then lead to a question? Yes. Will that happen on the interview with him today? Yes, I know it will. There's a good chance. Yeah. Yeah. There's a pretty good chance of that happening. So uh, Danny will be with us about 11.17 on uh, the program uh, today. So we look forward to chatting with him. We are here tomorrow and then no show on Thursday uh, because of uh, Thanksgiving or Friday. Uh, and then Saturday we'll be over in... Tampa. UCF has a basketball game Wednesday night, football Saturday, and then uh, a pretty big basketball game against Miami on Sunday that will follow our coverage of the Bucks on uh, Sunday. So lots of things happening in the sports calendar, as you would imagine, for uh, this uh, week. Um, when we come back, I kind of dove into this topic with Mike on the bridge. Uh, and what one SEC coach said about his raise... We'll get to that story and more next. I double shot Tuesday. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, again, artists or songs connected to Thanksgiving. This would be Warrant, Cherry Pie. Yeah. Anytime you get a little Warrant on the program, what's not to like? Exactly. Ninety-six nine. 
The Game FM HD online at 969thegame.com on your phone with the iHeartRadio app and on hundreds of devices like Alexa, Google Home, Xbox and Sonos an iHeartRadio station. Uh, you might cook that cherry pie in a range and then you might put the leftovers in the refrigerator and what you cook you may need to put in the dishwasher. Uh, that's why we tell you about Southeast Steel. Black Friday's happening now. Not waiting until Friday, but right now, great deals at Southeast Steel where you'll find everything. Range, refrigerator, dishwasher, any appliance. $3.5 million in stock. And right now, you'll find great deals at Southeast Steel. Exclusive rebates available at Southeast Steel Appliance Warehouse. Over 40 brands in stock. You shop the entire family of GE Appliances. And you can upgrade now to GE and earn up to $800 in a rebate on select appliances. Southeast Steel, specializing in customer service with you during and after your sale. And if you get to Southeast Steel today, could be delivered in time for the holiday on Thursday. Find them online at southeaststeel.net and in downtown Orlando for decades now. It's our friends at Southeast Steel where you get the best deal. Continuous double shot, double shots of classic rock. Two for Tuesday. Double shot Tuesday theme today with Thanksgiving. A couple of days. These are artists or songs that have a connection to Thanksgiving, whether it's food or something related to Thanksgiving. Who's this? This is the Smashing Pumpkins. Ah, pumpkin pie. Yeah. There you go. Or smashed potatoes. Or what? Smashed potatoes. Smashed Where you get tiny little potatoes, you smash them, and you fry them. You've ever had smashed potatoes before? No. They're really good. Okay. Yeah. I'll I'll take your word for it. 50857 on the uh, uh, text line. Uh, World Cup schedule today brought to you by friends at Greenway Ford and Greenway Dodge. Uh, yesterday, again, England beat Iran 6-2, Netherlands 2, Senegal nothing, U.S. and Wales tied at 1. Today, earlier, the biggest upset, some say World Cup history, Saudi Arabia. Uh, after an early Argentine goal penalty kick by Lionel Messi, uh, Saudi Arabia wins 2-1, Denmark and Tunisia uh, in the 96th minute. And they are scoreless the rest of the schedule today. Mexico and Poland at 11, and France on Australia uh, will go at uh, 2 o'clock. Brock Flotty is now at Greenway Dodge and Greenway Ford. Take 50% off manufacturer-suggested retail markup on location. 2,000 vehicles available. Visit or shop GreenwayDodge.com and GreenwayFord.com. Your complete satisfaction is our commitment. Greenway, the only way, presenting today's World Cup schedule. Um, the news broke over the weekend. I say, say news broke. It, it actually was posted on their website and then the media picked up on it, but... Um, and, and it's related to a discussion Mike and I had on the bridge earlier uh, this morning, actually about 50 minutes ago. But Mark Stoops, the football coach at Kentucky, has a contract extension. Now, the last couple of years, Mark Stoops' name has been one of those names that people connect when there's a Power 5 opening. Uh, heck, before Mike Norvell got the job at Florida State, Mark Stoops. Uh before Brett Venables got hired at Oklahoma, Mark Stoops. And any job that opens up, his name will be out there. And Kentucky, and along with a good agent for Mark Stoops, they have stepped forward, and Kentucky, that is, given Mark Stoops more money. With openings at Wisconsin, likely to not be an opening by the end of this week, uh, Nebraska, and a few other Power 5 jobs, 
whether it was Mark Stoops' agent or Kentucky on its own decided to give Mark Stoops an extension. Mark Stoops now will make $9 million a season beginning in 2023 and is under contract now through 2030. He makes $6.76 million this year. And in his current contract, if he wins seven games, he gets an automatic one-year extension. If he wins 10 games, it's an automatic two-year extension. His buyout in the new deal is $4.5 million. Meaning if he leaves, he owes Kentucky $4.5 million, and it drops $500,000 each year. I'm all for a free market. Good for Mark Stoops. Um, If Kentucky chose to pay Mark Stoops $9 million, as they've done so, paying him more than John Calipari, that's their right to do so. Free market. Um, is he worth $9 million? Doesn't matter what I think. It's up to Kentucky. They're the ones paying it. I've said many times, the market for college football coaches is not necessarily a real market. Some schools just pay for the optics of it. You can't be in a major league and not pay whatever the average is or be close to it. And some schools just feel like we got to keep paying somebody because they're going to leave. Uh, Mark Stoops is 65 and 58. Uh, after getting off to a 4 0 start, being ranked in the top 10, Kentucky is 6 and 5 and will play Louisville in a rivalry game this week. On his radio show, Mark Stoops said something that I take it for whatever you want alarming, uh, obvious, uh, sign of the times, whatever it may be. This is what Mark Stoops said. Quote, with name, image, and likeness, man, it is just a different world. It is absolutely insane what's going on. Transfers, your own team. You know how many people are going after our young players? We have as good of a freshman as I've ever seen, and it's like a free-for-all. He wasn't done. He added, they're just throwing money. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't understand it. It doesn't seem healthy. I'm not sure it's sustainable, but it's legal. And once again, I'm sorry. I hate to ask, but we need the support. We need it desperately. It's total free agency. He added, quote, some of the best recruits we have are the ones we know. They are here that can play. They're amazing young talents, and they're getting approached by everybody. It's mass chaos. Quote, from his press conference, Early in the day, and then he reiterated on his radio show last night, quote, I wish I could give, meaning his contract extension, and the $2.5 million raise that he got. This is his quote. Quote, I wish I could give it back to the collective because I would. I want to. I need to at this point. There's nobody to even report the stuff that goes on. I'm not singling out anybody here. I get tired of everybody telling me I'm talking about this school or that school. I'm just saying in general, we know that people have been caught giving money and nothing happens when it was illegal. Well, now it's 100% legal, so how are they going to monitor that? It's a crazy world. I don't know. Quote, at some point, when people are waving the money that they're talking about, I don't know how you stop that. When you got free access to transfer, and then you got name, image, and likeness, it's 100% free agency. couple things here. First, 10 o'clock hour, WYGM Orlando, WJOR HD2, Cocoa Beach Orlando Sports Leader. The optics, and I often use that word, you're the guy that 
just got $9 million to be the football coach at Kentucky. The school pays you. The school pays you. Now, uh, booster donor money, it, you know, it's all part of it, but the school, the school's one that pays you. Right? Uh, right now, the schools can't pay players. Now, we've created the system where <laughs> that's how players are getting paid by creating these things called collectives and things like that. Um, you can't complain about the free market of the players when you've benefited by the free market to parlay your position into the deal that you're now getting. If the free market's okay for you, you can't argue about the free market for the players. Now, you say, well, the system's out of control. Tell that to the kid that signs to play for the coach, even though you shouldn't go play for a coach or play for the school. Tell the kid who signs for the coach who then ups and leaves. Because now you've kind of leveled it a little bit because now the kid can leave. But you you can't lament about the system that you've benefited from uh, and then say, it's mass chaos. And someone goes, well, that's the free market. It's insane. But you are benefiting by the free market because you're able to leave when you want. Yeah, but I got a buyout. Right, because you get paid. (laughs) Which then leads to the point that I was making with Mike Bianchi earlier it happens almost every single day yesterday i watched the clip from uh, cincinnati this morning i watched the clip from clemson last week we played the clip from kansas state i've watched clips of colorado and all these other schools where now the big thing is you put out your splashy video that talks about your program and the collective and how you can help and if you give money and all that stuff well As I was explaining to Mike earlier, if you love the New York Yankees and you love Aaron Judge, and the Yankees end up paying Aaron Judge $40 million a year, there's a good chance you don't think in any form that you're actually paying for Aaron Judge $40 million. The Yankees have a massive local TV contract uh, between national TV dollars, the corporate sponsorship for the Yankees. uh, They'll be fine. The guy sitting in right field that honors Aaron Judge before the game doesn't really think that his dollars to buy the ticket that night is paying Aaron Judge's salary. If you watch LeBron James play basketball or Steph Curry, you don't really think that. Now, if you're somebody that buys season tickets, that's a big investment. But we don't do that in pro sports. Because why? Well, the team pays the player. The team pays the player. So, you know, I I don't really have that connection I mean, I buy a ticket, I go to a game, but I don't really think, um, you know, if I went to an NFL game, like if you went to the next Dolphin home game, like, hey, you know, my $85, or probably it's 150 <laughs> that's not paying to his salary right there. Not how you view it. But part of what you're witnessing now in college sports is unlike anything in this country when it comes to sports, team sports. Nothing like it. And... 20 years ago, if you were a passionate fan of Florida, Florida State, Miami, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Tech, whatever it was, you cared wins and losses. It bothered you when your team lost. If they lost the game, you thought they were supposed to win. If you had a great season, if you didn't have a great season, you got emotional. No question about it. Social media changed a lot because then you found people that agreed with you. Like I said yesterday, you know, it's easy to go find people that 
want to live in a miserable world and then think that everybody feels like that because it's the nature of how you follow people on social media. But this is what's changed. It's not just social media. This is what's changed in college football. And I accept this is the business now that will sort it out. I don't know when, and I don't even know the formula, but it, it will, like most industries at some point, they figure it out. But But this is different now. Because now the team that you love, and as I mentioned yesterday, I think there's a completely different emotional investment in college football than pro football. But now, when your team tells you, we need you more than ever, it's not just to make noise when the opposing team's got third and 10 at their 15-yard line. What they're telling you now is, we need you more than ever for this. Now, we spin it with fancy videos and all sorts of you know, emotional highlights of championship performances and great individuals and things like that, and we just need your money because this is how we get players. Now, we can't say that in this video because that's not allowed by whatever the rule is, but that changes it. And while the majority of fans that fill stadiums across the country are not giving money to collectives, they're not. I mean, there are some collectives that are quite successful, but... We're not talking about collectives that are two, three million people. I, I don't know where that goes in five or ten years. Maybe that becomes normal. But but there are people now that are in this model where, wow, okay, I, what can I do? Well, this is what you can do. Watch this video. Let us target your heartstrings. And can you understand why, why we need your money? Heck, some schools now openly tell you how much they need. You know, Memphis, hey, we're trying to raise two, three million dollars to get to players. I'm not against the free market. I'm just telling you, this is different. Because now now that fan, that fan that's angry about the team's loss, has a different investment. It is a different game now. Because you're being told your money is needed to get players. You don't think that in the NBA. Look, if the Magic enter the free agent market this offseason, trying to acquire a, top, a, a, a top-tier name, you don't... You don't visualize it like, well, my money to buy the season ticket is landing that guy. No, the team's got to figure it out. Now, now, most of your college football teams are telling you, hey, do you want players? Do you want these guys? I mean, Mark Stoops is sitting there telling you, boy, if I could give my raise, first off, I'd like to see that <laughs> be uh, legal, and, and, and I'd like to see him actually give $2.5 million. I... We all like the money we make. But he's telling you. I mean, I read you the quote. Hey, we need you more than ever to 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 pack the stadium and cheer. No. We need your money. Because what he is telling you, and this is happening now. Every program in college football, every P5 program, and some G5 programs, I should say. This is happening right now. Your team season's not over. And you got players on your team that are negotiating elsewhere. What? They are negotiating elsewhere. I I can't tell you who, but it's happening. Why? Because it's the season. So you've got coaches on your team staff that are contacting players on other teams, not directly, although most do it, uh, or indirectly. Hey, what are you looking at? And then the player goes, what do you got? And he doesn't mean, well, a nice dorm that has a clean bathroom and unlimited meals. No. What do you got? 
And then he's pitting that against this school, this school, this school. That guy's playing for your team on Saturday. Not every player's looking to leave, but that's happening on every team right now. Players trying to figure out, where am I going? Who's offering me this? Can I use that to go back to the school that I'm at? And coaching staffs that are trying to figure out, who can we get? What's it going to cost? How do we keep guys here? Right now, with your team playing this weekend, that is the chaos that Mark Stoops is talking about, and that is the chaos that every coach understands, and that's the model now. But to bring it back to the fan point, and like I discussed with Mike, I think a fan has every right when a team loses. Like a lot of UCF fans are angry about what happened on Saturday. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a fan. There's that part of reacting you know, Florida fans disappointed they lost to Vanderbilt. They're, in a sports sense, angry about it. I, I, I get that. My point is, when you go to that next extent, which is everybody needs to be fired, the coach that's in his first year, the coach that's in his second year, the coach that has a winning record, I don't care. You know? I, I don't know where you go with that. Meaning every year you're going to live on the game by game and fire a guy here, fire a guy there. But then you add the layer of what is now happening in college football. You add this layer of the team telling you, hey, we need you more than ever. And that ain't the season ticket. That's a given. You're going to buy the season ticket. We need you to make the noise and say, no, we need you more than ever for this. Can you please give us your money? Because this is what's going on. Well, why are they discussing with players now? Because the portal's about to open up. The window opens up in the next couple weeks. And that's why everyone's doing it now. Yeah, but aren't they supposed to wait until the window opens? Right. Scott, when did the most Black Friday sales start? Last week. See? <laughs> no one waits. Uh, all that's happening. And then there's that layer. That's why, that's why you've got coaches like Mark Stoops who benefited by a free market to get to $9 million, and good for him. Sitting there going, we're trying to keep up. Why? Because he knows the market. He's out there trying to compete with teams in his conference, and he knows what they need. So right now, we got to get more money. you got to help us. Need you more than ever. 80s putting out videos. You know, no one cares about the, <laughs> the company that signed up to promote goods. and so- Nobody cares. So that layer is different. Now Now a college football fan that is incredibly passionate about their team, the pressure, hey, you want us to keep on winning? you got to give. Or you don't like the loss this past weekend? Well, why don't you step up? Give us more so we can get better players. That's a different, different scenario than any other team sport in this country. You don't visualize your dollars going to a player in any other sport. Now in college football, the people running the teams and the programs are telling you, this is on you. So when that team loses the game that you think they're supposed to win and you're being asked to give money, that's a different emotional reaction, man. That's a different level. Cam Miller takes us on the field in some of the big performers of last weekend and this weekend. He'll join us next Double Shot Tuesday continues. What do we got here? This is oh apple pie Who's by the Early Ray. Yeah. Um, Double Shot Tuesday, 5.57. are songs or artists that have a connection by name to Thanksgiving. 
stay in the game at 969thegame.com. Let's talk about Port Choice Tap House. Speaking of college football and UCF coming up on Saturday playing over in Tampa, our good friends at Poor Choice Tap House invite you to join them to catch all the exciting action. Uh, coming up, they'll have uh, the food truck that'll be there, beer pong, cornhole, beer specials all game long, 50 sell poor beer, wine, seltzer taps, and canned cocktails. Celebrate the nights they take on the Bulls, little beer festival style, and you can hang out with our good friends right there in the most 50 district at Poor Choice Tap House. Every single day, there's something unique going on from trivia, other great contests, and don't miss this coming Saturday when UCF takes on South Florida. Stop on by, enjoy it with them right there, Mills 50 District. More details online at poorchoicetaproom.com. It's Poor Choice Tap House. It's a double shot Tuesday. No, there's an example in the in the texture. My blue oyster cult. How does this work with Thanksgiving? You put the oysters in the stuffing. That works. All right. Bands, artists, or songs should find a connection to Thanksgiving. Let's get to Cam Miller. As the snap makes the handoff, rolls left, rolls in zone for six. Touchdown! Time to check in with Pro Football Network's Cam Miller. For the latest on college football. What a grab! And a touchdown! Get the latest college football news at profootballnetwork.com. Uh, Cam Miller normally joins us on Thursdays with the holiday. He's kind to give us some time uh, today. Find his work uh, on Twitter at Cam Miller, a senior director of College Football Network and the NFL Draft at profootballnetwork.com and collegefootballnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on a Tuesday, and uh, happy holiday weekend coming up here for everybody. All right, let's try to explain some things. Versus Florida, Spencer Rattler, 18 of 26, 145, sacked three times, no touchdowns. Against Tennessee, 30 of 37, 438, and six touchdowns. Go. Uh, better defense for the Gators? I, that's the only thing that I could really think of, to be honest with you. We, we knew that Tennessee's defense was not an all-world unit, not even a, an all-SEC unit, maybe even lower tier, if not the worst defense in the SEC. They looked just like it. A couple absence player, uh, of players on there as well probably didn't hurt them, but honestly, it's this is the Spencer Rattler moment that we saw a couple years back where we said this kid's going to challenge Sam Howell for the first overall pick in the NFL draft. And, you know, he still has the talent as a nice reminder of the fact that he might still be a very viable NFL quarterback in the near future. He was, uh, he was lights out. It was one of those moments in time where you Sort of had to look back and maybe say, maybe he needed some time to uh, readjust and, and get out of the limelight a little bit. Uh, whether you're a Tennessee fan or not, you had to feel bad. Hendon Hooker gets the injury. It's an ACL. Um, so you've looked at guys that have been in situations, not just quarterbacks, when the injury happens, the time it happens, the impact on a draft. For Hooker, where was he trending without an injury? And now with this injury, what happens to his draft stock? He was, he was trending to that first round, the first 30, first 31 picks, um, and now he's not. He's firmly out of there. You want your quarterback that you draft to be able to be not maybe not thrown in right away to start, but at least practicing and viable during the summer and, and you know seeing how he adjusts to your playbook. And now at this point, he is at least in the day two range, if not moving down downwards to that day three where he, he was already going to be an older Older rookie as well, uh, you know, nothing he can do about that. But if, if he was at least ready to go right away, it would make sense to draft him high. So 
he, he was also going to trend to the one of the All Star games as well, the Senior or the Shrine Bowl. And if he performed well there, would have had a you know a, a staff fall in love with him and, and probably maybe get in that first round still. But at this point, he can maybe go and, and maybe answer some questions and talk to media members and the, and the staffs. But he's got a he's got a long way ahead of him now. Unfortunately, it's very unfortunate timing for him. And you you know the entire college football world and NFL draft world is uh, is just you know you feel it for him. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to ask you a little bit about uh, Michigan Ohio State, but I think the second best Big Ten game of the year was obviously USA and UCLA. That was a pun intended, right there. Um, but uh, more than just the Trojan starting quarterback, and clearly his wide receiver Jordan Addison in a monster game. Uh, and I'll ask you, you're the expert here. There was a lot of talent on that field that can play on Sundays, wasn't there? There is, and the, you know we we are even lacking. Travis Dye from the running from the backfield for USC too, so there could have been even more. I think we got a good taste of also the the depth of this USC team. You know, we're talking about the the players, and we'll see Caleb Williams again next year, but we'll also see Corey Foreman. He's the defensive end, the edge center who dropped back and picked off one of the Dorian Thompson Robinson passes. So it's it, 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 the next day, Aiden Hutchinson pulled off that kind of play for the Lions as well, where he dropped back into coverage. Foreman did the exact same play. And I'm not saying Foreman is Aiden Hutchinson, but I'm saying he's got that skill set and that talent. He was the number one overall recruit uh, two years ago as well. He's a true sophomore, and this is a kid I think that we'll talk about next year challenging for the first round as an edge defender as well. So we got a good glimpse of him, got a good glimpse of what this USC team might be as they do eventually transition to uh, to Big Ten football. But Caleb Williams is special, and really, you know, it's, this was a great college football game and a good look at the future for, you know, the best player at the position, it seems right now. Uh, the criticism and the jokes about Iowa's offense are legit, and yet they're a victory away of playing in the Big Ten championship game. Their defense is legit. I'm going to ask you to talk about Jack Campbell, um, 6'5", So give me thoughts on him for the draft, and then who else in that defense makes him one of the nation's best? Yeah, he's Jack Campbell is one of the top five linebackers in the country, if not you know top three, trending upwards. Uh, Noah Sewell still gets that uh, that that edge for me at number one, and then you have Trent Simpson at Clemson. But Jack Campbell is right there in that range as the best linebacker in the country. He showed it. You know, the the interception he had, it it looked like it was a fluky play, but it's ball skills and it's the knowledge and the instincts that you have have to have as a linebacker as well. So he wasn't just – the ball didn't bounce to him. He was instinctually heading towards the football. He's got a nose for it. And that's just who he is. He stuffs rushing lanes – and ultimately, he's a guy who just you want on your team, and he's going to make your defense better at the next level. So Jack Campbell, you can't coach size, you can't coach speed, and things like that. And he's got everything else that you need. Uh, and then for me, honestly, it's the secondary. Um, and a guy that we're going to be talking about a long time, he's not got eligible now, but Cooper DeJean, the cornerback. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, everybody knows Riley Moss, and everybody knows some of the other players. But Cooper DeJean is a guy next year who will be in that range for the top overall cornerback spot. That's how good he is. There is uh, not much of Miami's offense. The game against Clemson, Clemson's defense can be pretty good. Speaking of linebackers, Trenton Simpson. This is uh, if you want the next level linebacker, the new prototype. I know we're maybe getting a shift to offenses in the NFL wanting to run the ball more because we've you know invested in five six cornerbacks and a couple of safeties on defense. So there's now some soft gaps. There's a guy like Trenton Simpson who is the new age. He's not quite a Micah Parsons, but he rushes the passer as his best skill set. Simpson drops back into coverage, and he's awesome. He's essentially another box safety for you. But at that point, too, when you do get Trent Simpson a free rush on the quarterback, he made he made Curry Brown feel his presence there multiple times. And so 
Simpson does everything you want a three-down linebacker to do, and he excels at right now what is the most important aspect for a, for a linebacker, and that's coverage. He is he is one of the best that we've seen in the past decade, I'd say, at linebacker. I'm not comparing them, but it took talent to help Tua become an effective quarterback, and guys like Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill help. Sam Hartman needs talent around him. For those that may not know, tell him about A.T. Perry. A massive man with an even bigger catch radius. Uh, a radiant personality that's going to win him over in a, in a draft room or a uh, front office of the NFL staff as well. On the field, though, the guy has some of the best athleticism that we've seen at the position. He's sort of overlooked, and yet somehow he has more three-touchdown games than I think even Marvin Harrison Jr. at, at this stage of his career. So A.C. Perry, he's a red zone threat who can also win with separation at the line of scrimmage along his routes and then at the catch point. So to me, A.C. Perry is one of those guys that's very overlooked, he, he's done his best to make Sam Hartman look good, and Sam Hartman's done his best to make A.C. Perry look good. So they're both, uh, you know, to me, underrated, but A.C. Perry might have the better career of those two in the NFL. Um, I like when we get these to ask you, uh, obviously Michigan-Ohio State is a great matchup. Give me some of the head-to-head matchups or position matchups that you look forward to in this game. Yeah, I really can't wait to see the offensive line for Michigan go after this, this Ohio State defensive front. It's not just the, the defensive linemen. We're seeing Jack Sawyer again. You know, you talk about I talked about Corey Foreman, Jack Sawyer, both the same recruiting class, number one player or number two player, depending on where you look. But essentially, the best two players from their draft classes, both looking or from their recruiting classes, looking like that as well on the field. So it's not just Sawyer. Sawyer is a true sophomore. They have a bunch of players. Zach Harrison took over the game for Ohio State. How does that Michigan offensive line do against this revamped and a better Ohio State unit? than they had last year, where Michigan physically dominated them. Yeah, and you can better believe that these Ohio State players that lost last year are going to have that in the back of their mind. I want to see, does Mike Samer still and do DJ Turner really put the pressure as well on the Ohio State receiving core? Uh, make C.J. Stroud beat them with his arm um, and make him make the throws and the plays. We'll see what OSC runs out with their running back field. But to me, if, if those are the battles within the battle, and then ultimately is J.J. McCarthy going to be the J.J. McCarthy, the good J.J. McCarthy at quarterback for Michigan, or is he going to be the J.J. McCarthy who was, was erratic with his accuracy like he was last week? Um, if there's a soft spot for USC, it's defense. I don't think they're one of the better offenses in the country, but Notre Dame has put up 44, 41, 35, 32, 44. Um, what's interesting about that matchup? You know, well, like you said, they're probably not one of the best defenses or offenses. Um, their defense, I think, got a couple of fortuitous bounces uh, recently. I, I always go back to that Rice game where they had three pick-sixes and four interceptions, and all four of the interceptions were drops by the receivers. And so to me, what I want to see is can the coverage units stay with them? I'm not too concerned about Notre Dame's passing attack. What I am concerned about is if they can stop Audrey um, Kasime, the running back. This guy's a massive man, and it's all going to come down to, to me, Eric Gentry, the linebacker of the Arizona State transfer, six foot six, two hundred and ten pounds, or whatever he is, that linebacker. Does he have the speed to get to a teammate? And then can he ultimately stop him? Because we've seen him sort of dictate the pace. And so does Notre Dame rushing attack pave way for them to have some favorable one on one matchups on the outside with a, a secondary who I think is getting a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, so to speak. So I think Eric Gentry and Audrey Kasime, when they match up, linebacker versus running back, that's that's the uh, the battle within this battle. Tonight ends 27 consecutive days of football. So tonight, between Ball State, Miami, and Bowling Green, Ohio, give me a match in action name or something to watch tonight. 
Oh, that's actually the, uh, I'd say that that's the all-name game of the season or of the week. You have Matt Hippenhammer, the Miami of Ohio receiver, former Penn State baseball player and wide receiver as well. Uh, Jack Coldiron, Johan Tyler, and you have Carson Steele. If, if you don't like match in football, I don't know what's wrong with you, but if you don't like Carson Steele, then you just don't like football. His blonde locks flow out of him as he bruises through you or beats you to the edge of his speed. The running back for Ball State, Carson Steele, if he plays, I believe he's uh, questionable, but if he plays, that's the guy to watch. It's old school, 11 personnel, maybe even 12 personnel get multiple tight ends out there football from both these teams. So this is a, uh, this is a matchup to watch. One goes bowling. One goes home, so they have everything to play for tonight. Cam Miller is on Twitter, at Cam Miller. Follow his work there. The link's to the work at profootballnetwork.com and will it be collegefootballnetwork.com coming soon as well. Have a great holiday. Thank you so much. You as well, man. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, more college football. Nothing wrong with that. Matt and Michelle for his weekly visit coming up next. Double Shot Tuesday continues. That's the Cranberries. Not a big Cranberries You're not fan. a Cranberries guy, are Both you? Both the band and... And the, the item. And the item. Yeah. Uh, Double Shot Tuesday, artist songs that have some sort of Thanksgiving connection. 50857 on the text line. Matt Michelle next. We are FM 96.9, the game. Two for Tuesday. Well, the Rolling Stones here, Brown Sugar. Yeah. I like that. Double Shot Tuesday, fans, artists, or songs that have some sort of connection to Thanksgiving. Let's get to Matt Michelle. Let's check out the latest in college football with the Orlando Sentinels' Matt Michelle. Catch Matt on Twitter at OSMattMichelle. Matt Michelle joins us. Talk a little college football, the National College Football writer for the Orlando Sentinel. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing this morning, Mark? All right. Uh, don't answer this. Scott, what do you think Matt's favorite Thanksgiving side dish is? Oh, I... Uh, Mashed potatoes. Matt, what is it? Pumpkin pie. Wow. Nice. Wow. I'm a huge pumpkin pie fan. Um, but one of the things that uh, I share in common with my dad, he's a big pumpkin pie fan as well. All right. I respect. Uh, let's dive into it. Let's go back to last week. Um, your thoughts on what happened uh, to UCF in the game against the Navy? Well, you know, I, I think what, you know, for UCF, I thought the defense played relatively well, especially in the second half. I thought offensively they just they never could get kind of anything going. You know the, you know uh, John Rex Plumley looked um, at times like uncomfortable in the pocket. Um, I know Gus Malzahn said after the game that he was kind of dealing with a shoulder injury type situation, but they never were able to run the football. Obviously, Navy had one of the better running rushing defenses in the country, but even then, throwing the football, getting the ball up and down the field, they weren't able to do that. They didn't take very many deep shots, and then when Mikey Keene came in. You know, he provided a little bit of a spark in the second half, but, you know, uh, the, the struggles of the offensive line were really pretty glaring in that second half, and Navy was able to take advantage of it. I think they blitzed on about 75% uh, of the snaps that they, that UCF took in the second half. So it was, it was, it was a struggle, and they weren't able to, UCF wasn't able to come back. And it, it's a disappointing loss, and it really kind of throws kind of the, their situation in the postseason in the disarray. Um, Matt, I, like I said, my 28 years looking back, I'm not quite sure with everything that was there for UCF, and they still have to win this week and next week. Um, that's a big loss. I mean, the opportunity to get to a major bowl game, um, but that that's going to sting. Yeah, that's one of those losses. I mean, I know, we, I know, we've, uh, you know, people have talked about it the last couple of days. That's one of the one, one of the worst losses I've seen them take, um, considering what was on the line, and and you know there was. 
you know, you're talking, not to take anything away from Navy. I mean, it's a hard-fought team, you know, but, you know, everything was there for UCF. They beat Navy. They beat USF. They're in the conference championship game. They host the conference championship game. you got a Cotton Bowl bid on the line there. Um, everything was right there for them. And for them to come out and be as flat as they were uh, at times, and I mean, I know people. some people said, oh, it's the early start. They tried to blame those. I, I, I don't buy that. I mean, I think the players don't buy that as well. You know, they were out there playing just as hard. Um, but to lose it the way they did, it was just, it was stunning. And I think you saw that at the end of the game when the players were coming off the field. You know, they were, they looked as emotional and as, and as you know, um, angry as I've seen a, a, a team look like that. And it's, and then now, you know, it, what's, what's really bad is it's just in the hands of someone else. You know what I mean? you got to wait and see what happens this past weekend. you got to take care of business. But if Houston wins, you know, then it gets – and, and depending on what happens tomorrow or tonight, actually, in the college football playoff rankings, it could come down to computer rankings. Um, and that's not exactly where UCF wants to find themselves when they're trying to control their own destiny. No, uh, I don't think there's any scenario that Houston passes UCF with the loser of Cincinnati Tulane in those computer rankings. If it gets to that, looks like they would stay ahead of uh, uh, UCF. I, I'm curious your thoughts. I in studying these metrics, and I spent far too much time the last couple of days. What's your thoughts on the Sun Belt, and are they underappreciated? You've got Coastal nine and one. They didn't get to play the game against Virginia last week for the reasons that we know. But uh, Troy, South Alabama are both 9-2. and two. Voting polls tend to like them a little bit more. They do not have good metrics based on what the College Football Playoff Committee has been using in resume, strength of record, and schedule. Where do you think they fit when you compare Tulane, Cincinnati, UCF as to who maybe has been better? You know... I think the Sun Belt's done an amazing job. Let's, I'm going to start out with that. I mean, I think they've done, um, you know, the, the job they've done. I think this is a conference right now when UCF and, and Cincinnati and, and, and Houston and Lee, I think this is the conference that's probably going to give the American the most trouble. This could be the conference that really kind of maybe assumes that mantle that the American has had. I think when you look at this year, I mean, I think Coastal Carolina has done an amazing job. They're a, con- they're a school that's obviously in a program that's had an amount of success. I think it's going to be tough for anyone out other other than them, to find a way into that mix. You know, I think as, as, as good as some of these teams have played, um, I think that they're, you know, it, it's nowhere near strong. And then I think the committee is not going to look at it nearly strong. I think Coastal could get some looks tonight, depending on what happens, um, just because of some of the teams that lost. I know they didn't play this past weekend. But, um, you know, this is this is the biggest, I think, outside of the, of the uh, three American schools, the biggest challenger right now in there. I think you can make the case for UTSA at some point at the Conference USA, but um, you know, Coastal to me is, is, is the strongest team there. And it just goes to show you that I think in the next couple of years, these, these programs aren't going away anytime soon. Coastal's going to be around unless, unless Jamie Chatterwell leaves and gets another job. I think James Madison's only getting started. Um, Appalachian State has been a, a, a constant you know, contender. And, and Troy and South Alabama to be where they're at. I mean, if they continue to have this kind of strength, I think you're going to see a lot more of these teams in, in the rankings in the next couple of years. Part of this, and I'll move on, this is opinion, but also, again, the data. Like, an FPI isn't an element that the football committee has to use, but in some of the data they use, all four of those Sunbelt teams, counting James Madison, is not eligible. Their best numbers are in the 60s, and all yeah. three American teams would be in the 30s when you get to some of these. If the committee puts one of them in, I'd be really surprised. I don't know if UCF appears tonight. But I would still be surprised that despite Coastal at 9-1, and one, the resume just doesn't stack up. But we'll see. Let's move on to some other things here. Um, what do you make of uh, uh, 
Florida's loss to Vandy. I don't know if you want to add anything about Miami's loss to Clemson. You know, I think Florida, this is just who Florida is. And we, we talked about this for the last couple of weeks. You know, they, they just, they, they've never been able to kind of get any sort of momentum going. Every time they look like we think they're going to be, they're on the upside and they're, and, and maybe Billy Napier has kind of got things figured out, then, then something happens like this weekend, you know, where they, where they struggle against a, a Vanderbilt. You know, I think one of the things that, that has stood out to me is that there's no offensive identity for the team. You know, I mean, one moment, you know, I think Billy Napier, Napier would love to run the ball. 40, 50, 60 times a game. He'd love to rush for over 400 yards a game if he could. But against Vanderbilt, he had to he had to turn it over to to Anthony Richardson to throw the ball. I mean, he threw for over 400 yards, and that's just not exactly what they want to do. And I think, you know, their defense is obviously one of the weakest uh, aspects of the team this year. They're going to have to do a lot of work in the off season, whether it's going to be through recruiting and, and through the transfer portal to really kind of flip that defense. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this offense and. You know, if Anthony Richardson decides to leave and go to the NFL, I mean, you know, they're going to have to find a, a new quarterback to step in and take over that role, whether it's going to be, you know, a, a true freshman or, or someone who else is on the roster or a transfer. They're going to have to identify something. But it's been a struggle for sure. But I think, you know, this is what happens in the first year uh, for, for a lot of new coaches. Is it takes time. You have to weed out some of the guys. You're seeing a lot of – you're seeing, what, three or four players hit that are into the transfer portal. I think you start to see guys leave. You're going to see more players, I'm sure, in the next month um, going elsewhere. So I, I think for Billy Napier, it's kind of like a, a cleansing, so to speak, once the season's over with. And um, six and six is probably where, where they're probably going to be at. The, the bowl game will probably help them get some additional practices. And hopefully next year he's able to flip the script a little bit. Um, I know why there wasn't a call. I think Brett Vietnam is right about what took place on that no p- offensive pass interference call. You, you know, I've talked for years. I, I still don't get conference officials. Uh, it is about protecting uh, uh, the brand, and they needed two versus three undefeated. And I'm not saying the refs waited for a moment to not call something, but they weren't going to call pass interference there. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't think they were going to call that. I mean, you know, it, it looked like it was a blatant, uh, you know, it was a blatant call. But you know, again, when you have conference officials, you know, there's always going to be that hint of, you know, is, is there a way? Is there some sort of you know, uh, um, bias you know, towards making sure Michigan gets gets into that situation and is able to, to win the game. Um, and, it, and, it, and it's, you know, it's unfortunate because that's, I mean, Illinois played a heck of a game. And I mean, they, I think this is, you know, to me, I thought it would have been such an, a, a tremendous win for what Bielema has done this year. Um, an emotional win. Obviously, his mother passed away this week. Um, he wasn't even, they weren't even sure who was going to coach this weekend. He, he went ahead and did that. Um, so, I mean, I, I think. To me, this is something that conferences have to take a really hard look at when it comes to officials. You know, you hate to see a game get decided by this, by call, um, and that really kind of that, the, that everyone kind of started to question afterwards. But, you know, again, now Michigan finds itself in that spot, and, and the Big Ten now gets the game that it really wants, which was Ohio State Michigan both being undefeated and both having a, a huge stake in, in the playoff. Who wins? I, I think it's Ohio State. I mean, I think it may be a closer thing. If Michigan, if, if, you know, they can't get healthy, both these teams are banged up. I mean, you know, um, Michigan's running back has been was limited in the second half. He was really hurt. Ohio State's on their third string running back, if I'm not mistaken. He's a, a true freshman. But I think if it comes down to quarterbacks, I think, you know, C.J. Stroud is a better quarterback. And I think that he's got more pieces around him to move the football around. Um, and, this is, and so I, I, I think Ohio, Ohio State finds a way to win this game. Um, I know Michigan's been very physical on the defensive side of things, and that sometimes can, can bog down 
uh, Ryan Day's offense, but um, I just think Ohio State kind of has a, a little bit of an edge here coming out. If this game was at Michigan, maybe you could swing it towards the Wolverines, but I, I think this is going to be Ohio State. Uh, sometimes when you play the emotional game like USC did against UCLA, there's a letdown. Notre Dame's played better. I mean, the, the Polls certainly respect them. Uh, a chance the Irish upset USC? Take your heart out of it, Matt. Just give me your head. <laughs> well, I think there's a chance. I mean, I, I think, listen, Notre Dame has played really well the last five weeks. I mean, their defense has been much, much better. I think Marcus Freeman has taken a vested interest in the defense, and you're seeing that on the field. They're running the football uh, you know, a lot a lot better than they did early on. I think there's an opportunity there. And I believe me, there are a lot of people right now who have become Notre Dame fans this week. You know, Dabo Sweeney's got to be a Notre Dame fan this week. You know, um, you're looking at, you know, Alabama wants to be that. LSU wants to be a Notre Dame fan. I mean, everyone pretty much is outside the, the, the top four. Um, in the Michigan, or, or, or the loser of the, the Big Ten game wants them to be, Ohio, to be a Notre Dame fan. Because they realize if you knock USC out of that perch, that opens the door for some, some interesting chaos. So, um, I, I don't know, after watching USC beat UCLA, I think USC is a really good team. I, I think it'll be difficult for them to lose this game. But, again, you know, we, we, I didn't think that Notre Dame was going to beat Clemson, and, and we saw how that happened. So, um, I think there's a chance. But I, I like what Caleb Williams has done. I like what Lincoln Riley does. I think Lincoln Riley could be coach of the year based on what they've done so far. Caleb Williams, now the leader for the Heisman? Yeah, I think after this weekend, he was, he was definitely in that mix. I mean, I think he that was a great performance. And it wasn't just the, the number of yards. I mean, just being able to come back and forth and, and the way they did in that game. That was one of the better games that we've seen this season. Um, and I, I think he's right there. I think CJ Stroud is going to be, you know, probably in that second you know, tier right now. And it depends on what happens this weekend. If, if, he, if he leads Ohio State past Michigan, has a big performance, you can, you can throw him in that mix as well. Um, I think Derek May, uh, or Drake May was right there from North Carolina. Um, but the loss to, to Georgia Tech kind of hurts a little bit. So, and, uh, um, and so those are probably my three kind of top guys right now. I think the Michigan running back, um, is, is, you could put him in the mix as well. Hendon Hooker would have been there, but I think obviously that, that um, devastating ACL injury in, in the South Carolina game knocks him out of the mix. He, he might still get some votes and, and be a final. It depends on what happens. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Follow Matt on Twitter at OS Matt Michelle. Thank you, Matt. Thanks a lot. Happy Thanksgiving. Matt Michelle uh, talking some college football. Time now for our World Cup update, brought to you by our friends at Fiddler's Green Irish Pub. Yesterday, the American said... Coming up at noon, catch the Beat of Sports Overtime on our Instagram account at 96.9 The Game. We aren't sure what will happen, but you'll be entertained. Two for Tuesday, double shot Tuesday. What do we got? This is Rio Speedwagon. Oh, oh, the Rio Speedwagon. Flying Turkey Trot. Oh, all right. You're you love this band. I like Rio Speedwagon. Yeah. This is from their uh, 1976 U.S. tour. You know it was. 11 o'clock hour. Wide Camera Line WJR HD2 Cocoa Beach Orlando Sports Leader. Let's really do the new yes. Now it is time to do the news. But now it's time uh, for the news. Here's Scott with the news. What up, my news heads? What's going on, everyone? just want to say I missed you guys uh, while I was out. Yeah. Uh, did you shout out my news heads? 
You know it, man. Well, I was gone. You know it. Well, I also want to say uh, the news today is brought to you by Chicken Guy with their limited time offerings of holiday shakes. Well, they dropped a few of those off. They did. Yes, they did. The Minty Frozen Peppermint Cocoa Milkshake and the Sweet Holiday Cookie Milkshake. Special to Chicken Guy Winter Park uh, are encouraging everyone to come out and get their shakes because $1 from the sale will go to help benefit the Baby DJ Fund starting today, going on through the month of December. Okay. Nice. I have tried both milkshakes, and they're both, both? delicious. Yeah. Wow. Well, they brought two, they brought two of each. I, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I didn't, I, I, I didn't think that you would uh, have, have, a, uh, have a problem with that. All right. First up in the news. Burr, 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 burr. Uh, you talked about this in your World Cup uh, report. Saudi Arabia pulled off the biggest World Cup shocker ever by coming from behind to beat Argentina. Argentina, one of the favorites to lift the trophy, dominated the first half and went ahead through Lionel Messi's first half penalty. But a stunning fight back from Saudi Arabia after the break saw them score twice in the span of five minutes to leave Argentina defeated for the first time. Uh, since June of 2019, a run of 36 matches. Yeah. Big shocker. I mean, are you worried about your bracket right now? Am I worried about the bracket? Yeah. Yeah, I got some concern. Do you now? They can still come out of the group. Just, you know, a little bit more challenge. A little bit more work now, right? Yeah. A little more work, yeah. If you're messy, you're just you're just laying into your. He was grilled uh, afterwards and just said, you know, no excuse and can only go out and play. I mean, listen, in this country we're observing a big upset in Argentina. This is this is the biggest news story going. Uh, meanwhile, the United States and Wales battled to a hard-fought physical 1-1 draw in their uh, group opener on Monday afternoon. Timothy Weah scored a goal in the 36th minute to give the U.S. the lead at the half. But Gareth Bale struck from the penalty spot late in the second half to earn Wales the important point. The U.S. finished with four yellow cards, the team's most in a World Cup match since drawing five against Germany in 2002, while Wales were twice cautioned in the game. It's a lot being made about the uh, decisions of the referee and what is and what isn't a booking worthy foul. Katori uh, ref yesterday. Not saying that's the reason why, um, but there were some questions yesterday. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and Gio Reyna either is or isn't 100% ready to play on Friday against England. Depends on who you believe, the coach or the actual player. Yep. It's very frustrating. Jalen Brunson scored a season-high 34 points, while R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle had 25 points each to lead the Knicks to a 129-119 win over the vaunted Oklahoma City Thunder. Just eight days ago, the Thunder beat the Knicks in MSG, scoring 145 points, including 79 in the opening opening half. But this time, New York held OKC's offense in check for the bulk of the game. We like to call that a statement win by the Knicks last night. Well, yeah, I mean we're solid nine and nine right now. So. 
Uh, I'm sorry, but if you finish 41 and 41, that's a playoff team, Mark. You know, hoping to play an 83rd game one step at a time. Uh, and then once you get Zion in there? That might take longer than thought. What? You said it was this year. You said this year was the year he was coming. Mm. Yeah. Is it because he's enjoying it maybe a little bit too much now? No, it's, I mean, they're winning. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, the Magic fell on uh, Monday night to the Indiana Pacers. And uh, Chumo KK is now the latest one to join the ranks of the walking wounded for the Orlando Magic. He is the latest uh, with an injury. Played, what, 13 minutes yesterday, and now he's hurt. Got it. Knee. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo threw four touchdown passes, including uh, two each to Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle. And the 49ers won their third straight game by blowing past the Arizona Cardinals 38-10 to on Monday night in Mexico. Uh, what an atmosphere. What a crowd. Uh, Those games always have great crowds. Niner fans uh, there, and they answered with an impressive win. Do you think the league ever looks into having more than one game in Mexico City? No. You think that's just the, the one? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sad news for uh, college football video game fans. Mark, I'm sure you've been paying attention to this story. Esports uh, plans to release the college football game in the summer of 2024. It was supposed to be coming out in 2023, but EA Sports has come out and said that they'll be delaying it. Uh, quote, that's the best date for us to bring the game that we think is going to meet or exceed our player expectations and cover the breadth and scale of what we want in the game. We're trying to build a very immersive college football experience. That's the licensing Holt. numbers are the issues. The licensing deals. Mm-hmm. It's much tougher than they thought without a one group to work with that represents the players, this is much more challenging than people want. And here's something else. Even though in the Madden game, and I haven't played Madden in years and know a little bit about it, um, their system's built that player movement, they can update the game instantly. You know, trade happens and the deadline, somebody goes. In college football, uh, what they're trying to do, they get licensing done with all players, and then in a transfer portal <laughs> Um, this is not as easy as you think, and uh, they're still working on the game and delayed to 24. So. Do you think we see it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Online sports betting operators on Monday were encouraging customers to take steps to protect their accounts after multiple companies saw fraudulent activity in recent weeks. DraftKings said Monday that a small number of betting accounts were accessed by unauthorized users, leading to approximately $300,000 in customer funds being withdrawn in an attack the company believed was caused by login information being stolen from third-party sites. Mm. Not something that you want to see. And uh, one other story. Uh, this uh, from the college football world. Uh, it's been announced, or it was announced last night, that the Virginia and Virginia Tech football game scheduled for Saturday has been canceled in the week. The shooting earlier this month that uh, left three Virginia players dead, the ACC announced last night. Yeah, Virginia uh, will end up not playing their final two games, Coastal Carolina, and then this game against uh, Virginia Tech. That's 
it on the news. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Go there and leave us a five-star rating. A little bit more on uh, the magic and their injury situation later in the hour. We come back. Danny Cannell uh, back to talk some college football, preview of Florida, Florida State. I like to turn the clock back also with Danny. Not like daylight savings or, you know, mm-hmm. not like that. But Oh, Don McClain. Pie. Pie. What we're doing here, huh? Yeah. Okay. Do you like yeah. this song? Uh, in my DJing days, you could play this song and you could take a ride back home to pick something up. How long is this song? It's over eight minutes. Eight and a half minutes. Yeah. With every paper ride. Two for Tuesday. What do we got? This is Ray Charles featuring James Taylor. Yeah. Sweet Potato Pie. Double Shot Tuesday. These are uh, songs, artists, or bands that have some sort of Thanksgiving connection in the name. And there you go. That's nice. Um, We uh, enjoy uh, talking football uh, with our next guest, who's been kind to join us earlier this year. And he's back. Danny Cannell uh, appears, courtesy of our friends at Bet Online. Find him at betonline.net. Catch the latest lines for college football playoff uh, playoff odds, as well as games this weekend. Big uh, rivalry weekend. A lot of things to get to with Danny. Welcome back, Danny. How are you? What's up, Mark? How's it going? It's always great to catch up with you. It's It's bittersweet, though, because... You know, we're coming down the home stretch. College football season's almost over. Conference championship weekend, debating the playoffs. But it does mean we're almost done, which is kind of bittersweet because it's been such a fun season. I hate seeing them come to an end. Well, we see a lot of big games, big storylines. I want to start here. You're a guy that often makes the argument about protecting brands in your ACC-SEC battle. But I want to ask you about this one. Was Brett Bielema right about the no call in the game against Michigan that led Michigan to what became the game-winning field goal? They needed two versus three. Can't have it ruined. Does he have a point? Well... He had, he absolutely has a point when it comes down to the call was atrocious. It was about as blatant a click, uh, pick play as you could see in college football. I mean, it was completely obvious what took place there. Everybody runs it, but usually the receiver has to sell it a little bit, right? They have to at least act like they're going downfield. The receiver just went downfield and blocked, and you can't do that if you're not throwing it behind the line of scrimmage, and they didn't. So... He's right. Now, do I think it's part of a greater scheme conspiracy theory to ensure that that matchup takes place? No, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. I love it for what it does for us, and it gives us this kind of fodder to talk about, but I don't think the refs are that nefarious. But I would consider this. I mean, that game was in Ann Arbor. I mean, it's you know hometown cooking. We hear that all the time, but I think that's more because the refs, you know, they're, they are, they're aware of the crowd reaction, what it's going to be if they call a call a certain way. So I absolutely think that can impact the ref's decision there to not throw the flag on that fourth down, which would have ended the game. I don't know where they'll be ranked tonight, but TCU is going to be in this mix, obviously, because of the year they've had. Can you explain to the passionate fan, though, what their grind is week to week to be in every one of these games and to have it bounce your way and to do things to win? People may knock them for the lack of the way they're winning, but, Danny, it's hard to win every single week, isn't it? Especially when you consider, Mark, the Big 12. The Big 12 has been the deepest conference from top to bottom as far as good football teams. Now, they don't have the great teams. 
They don't have an Alabama that was ranked, you know, in the top three. They don't have a Tennessee that was ranked in the top three or Ohio State, Michigan, who are one and two. But they have a, re- a lot of really good football teams. And that, to me, is what TCU isn't getting credit for. The perception of the Big 12 is, oh, it's a light conference. It's not that hard. But Sonny Dyke said after the game, I don't care who you're playing. It's hard to go 11-0. and And they've had the hard road because multiple times this season they've had to come from behind and win games in fourth-quarter comeback fashion like they did in Baylor once again. But I think TCU should be ahead of Michigan because their body of work is more impressive. I think Michigan should be at four, but I hope the committee recognizes TCU's resume as a body over Michigan's brand and the way they've been blowing out lighter opponents. Uh, you put up a Twitter poll about this. I asked this question last week, and, and George is number one, but is there a scenario where the committee could possibly leave them out? And if it's TCU wins out, if Ohio State-Michigan winner wins out, if USC finishes off what would be UCLA, Notre Dame, a Pac-12 opponent, and if LSU beats Georgia, and you look at the game and go, they were the better team, is there a way, Danny, that Georgia could be left out? I do. I think there's a way. They probably wouldn't. But here's the thing that bothers me, Mark, is it's because they're Georgia. They're defending national champion. They have a ton of five-star talent on their roster. But if we do this the way we're supposed to, right, which is to look at resumes from start to finish, Oregon has one really, really impressive win, which is the Oregon Ducks. They won 49-3 week one. Oregon's proven to be a really strong opponent. The win against Tennessee was their second-best win, which is still a pretty good quality win, but we all watched Tennessee get beat against South Carolina pretty convincingly, giving up 63 points. And one thing the committee mentioned when they referenced TCU specifically was they weren't balanced, they didn't have a good defense. Well, Tennessee's defense is 130th in pass defense, which is why they got shredded from South Carolina. So Georgia's second-best win comes against the Tennessee team who has the 130th ranked pass defense and just lost to South Carolina, their resume is not that great. It's just they're Georgia, so they're probably going to get in. But playing in the SEC, typically a gauntlet, the powerhouses like Florida, not very good this year, around 500. South Carolina might be one of their better wins of the season. They're at 7-4. and four. Kentucky, they got a ton of tr- credit for beating. They're you know just above 500, and they only beat them by 10 points. Like, you start looking at the wins, and they're just not as impressive as some of these other teams. So if Georgia loses, I do think their resume is lacking, but I don't think it'll bother the committee because it usually doesn't when it comes down to the SEC. Danny Cannell is with us, part of Dusty and Danny and Sirius XM Channel 84, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. And, of course, CBS Sports, CBS Sports Network, and appears courtesy of Bet Online. I'll get back to the field in a second, but I, and I know you went back and forth a little bit with folks on Twitter today. I want to read you something that Mark Stoops said on his radio show last night. Quote, with name, image, and likeness, man, it's just a different world. It's absolutely insane what's going on. Transfers, your own team, you know how many people are going after our young players. Um, he then added, if I I could give my extension money to the collective i would where are we going man? <laughs> what are we doing oh that's i mean it's it's he's 100 percent right i think a lot of coaches would give a large portion of their salary to those collectives to the players because they know the importance of getting big time players and it makes your job that much easier to win and if you win you'll get that extension in the next contract you can keep all to yourself so we're absolutely headed down this slippery slope, and it was really open two years ago when we saw NIL implemented and the transfer portal. So now that you've got the two things coming together, created this perfect storm where now 
we've got college players who have more leverage than NFL players, which is wild. Now, they went from having zero leverage and really being manipulated, you know, restricted. They're, you know, a big portion of what makes college football special. And they're getting scholarships and some stipends, but nowhere near probably what they should have been getting. Now we flip the script where it's the exact opposite, where if you're a college player and you haven't transferred yet, uh, like let's take Drake May, for example, incredible quarterback from North Carolina. He could technically, he could transfer after having a stellar freshman season for the North Carolina Tar Heels. He could hit free agency and just go get the highest bidder. And maybe he does. He's allowed to. And we haven't seen that happen yet, but I guarantee you it will. Where if you're in the NFL and you're a top draft pick, or or if you're an undrafted free agent and you sign with a team, you're locked in that team for three years before you hit free agency. And sometimes these players are actually kind of doing it twice because as high school recruits, they're free agents. They can sign with anybody they want, which you're not allowed to do in the NFL. There's a draft that takes place. And then once they get there, if they have success, but they don't want to play at the university, they want to go to another bidder, they can get paid again. So... We went from college players having zero leverage to, to college players having more leverage than NFL players. It's pretty wild to see in just the span of two years how much things have dramatically changed. Hey, uh, the hardest thing sometimes to win a big rivalry game like USC did the next game. Notre Dame has scored more points. I don't know if their offense is, is very good, but USC's defense is kind of shaky. Is this a dangerous game for USC? Oh, without question. I think Notre Dame's role in the college football world this year is wild because they're, they, they're not going to make the playoff with three losses, right? But they, Ohio State, they played the first week of the season, and that's one of Ohio State's best wins, especially now that Notre Dame has kind of turned their season around after starting with three losses, you know, including Marshall and Notre Dame Stanford, who aren't very good this year. They lost to those two teams. They're a three-loss team. But then they start winning, so they boost up Ohio State's resume. Then they also beat both Clemson and North Carolina, who were playing for an ACC title. So Notre Dame could play a role of spoiler, preventing Clemson, or now a two-loss on North Carolina, probably unlikely, but they would have spoiled their chances to move on to the playoffs. And now Notre Dame plays USC, and I actually like US, uh, Notre Dame's chances in this game because USC has been great on the offensive side of the ball. Caleb Williams has been phenomenal. I think he should be the leader for the Heisman as he showcased on Saturday night with over 500 yards of total offense against UCLA in a wild game where they needed him to come through. So then you've got their defense, which is atrocious. And Notre Dame, their offense is spectacular, but they're going to be physical. And I think that could be a real big challenge for the Trojans to get off the field, get the ball back in the hands of the offense. So as much as the Pac-12 wants to get back in the playoff, and, and USC definitely, if they went out, they will get in. If they lose, that'll knock them out. And Notre Dame would have potentially knocked out three teams from the college football playoff, and yet they won't get an opportunity to do so. Two more, I'll let you go. Florida, Florida State here. What's impressed you the most about Mike Norbell's team this year? All of it. I mean, the totality of the season has been phenomenal. And, you know, I couldn't be prouder of the job that he's done for the Seminoles. And it was a rough go of it, right? He takes over. COVID is the first year. And it's not great. Last year starts off rough. You know, they have three consecutive losses. You're like, oh, man, the season's going to go in the tank. The team fights back, and they fight for him, almost getting back to full eligibility. This year comes in a lot up in the air. You know, hot seat was mentioned. If you don't win at Florida State in year three, you're probably going to be at least in that conversation and maybe on your way out if you have a sub-500 season. And they've come in this season 
and played phenomenal. And they played through a ton of adversity. Probably the best one of the season, in my opinion, was when they were on the road against Louisville, against a really good Louisville team, lost Jordan Travis, lost uh, Jared Burst in that game, had several injuries throughout the offensive line of the team, and somehow gutted out a win. And I know they had three losses in a row, but they really were a good team. Uh, when you looked at the caliber of competition, there was no shame in those. The NC State game, I, a lot of people, Florida State fans, weren't happy with the decision to take a shot in the end zone, which was an interception, which cost them a potential field goal. I had no problem with it whatsoever, saying, hey, go for the win. Field goal kicker was under 50% on the year. It wasn't exactly a, uh, you know, a sure thing. And then they lose to Clemson, but then they get right back on track. And not only are they winning their last four games, but they're winning them impressively in blowout fashion, which Florida State probably the last five or six years hasn't been able to do. And now they're dominating opponents, including Miami, 45-3, to and an opportunity to dominate your rival on the Florida Gators this Friday in prime time. I think it really propels Mike Norvell into an incredible offseason and to be first for the first time in five or six years true contenders for an ACC title. So I think it's a remarkable job that Mike Norvell has done with Jordan Travis, with recruiting and changing a culture and getting it back where they're competitive and holding a certain standard that Florida State fans expect. I always like to turn the clock back on you before I wrap it up. So I'm going back to, yes, November 26, 1994, the choke at the Doak. I want to know, after you hit Oric Dunn for the 37 yards on the catch and run of the great Rock Preston scores, where are you arguing with Bobby to go for two? And tell me what happens. Oh, this is great. So I wasn't arguing... I was following instructions because before that drive where Rock scored, you know, the, the touchdown that was put us down one, Mark Rick, who was up in the coaches booth as our offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, he told me we are going for two and we were going to run 30 traps, which was a play to Zach Crockett, our fullback, which we had scored the first touchdown of the four that was scored to come back. So he said, make sure you get everybody on the field and you're ready to go for two. Here's our play. You don't waste any time. And it was great coaching for Mark Rick because he was thinking that far ahead. But he actually told me when we score. So he was that confident that we were going to score and we were going to go for two. So as soon as Rock Preston scores, I'm turning around, like yelling at all the offensive linemen, stay on the field. I'm telling Rock, I'm telling they're celebrating. I'm like, get back. We're going on the field. We're going to go for two. And I look over, and I think it was Jesus Hernandez, my offensive tackle, left tackle. He, he looks at me and grabs me and points over. He goes, look. And Coach Bowden's over there holding up one finger to me and kick the extra point and go for one. So I was like, I was like, wait, are we sure? I'm like, no. And I was trying to stay on the field, and I was the holder as well. So I look over, and he's like, no, one. And so I just went over, helped the kid, and kicked it up. And after, I'm like, what happened? He goes, we're going to get the ball back. Sure enough, we did, and we almost had a chance for a Hail Mary. I tried to run for a first down to stop the clock. It came up about a half yard short. But after the game, Coach Bowden now infamously said, like, hey, I didn't want the whole comeback to be for nothing if it came up short. And sure enough, we went on to go get revenge in the, in the uh, Sugar Bowl in the fifth quarter, the French Quarter, and were able to win it. So I, there's still a piece of me, though, that says there's no way they would have stopped if we went for two and we would have won that game. But I'm not going to argue with the greatest coach ever and Coach Bowden. Danny Cannell appears courtesy of Bet Online. Uh, go to betonline.net to check out the lines for the upcoming game this week. And thanks, Danny. Always appreciate it. Uh, that's Danny Cannell and some good stuff on the memories of Florida State and the choke at uh, the Doak. Uh, back with more of the Beat of Sports. It's a double shot Tuesday. 
you're a big D.D. Sharp fan? Yeah. Want to know what else is on this uh, album? What? Slow Twistin', Splish Splash. Take it a bath. I Sold My Heart to the Junk Man. Yeah. Uh, we played uh, Duran Duran before, Hungry Like the Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming Hungry, because I don't think anybody's got Wolf on the menu a couple of days. I mean, you don't know that, but yeah, I think, yeah, Hungry. <laughs> In a segment, 40% of it, I'd like to forget. <clears throat> Not because of the quality of the guests, but anyway. Um, Double Shot Tuesday today, the theme, artists, bands, songs, something connected to Thanksgiving. It's been a pretty good day for that, right? It's been a very good day, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's... Uh, it's nice. He's getting a haircut today. Oh, will it be as long as mine was? No, my haircut will be like twelve minutes. Yeah, and? if 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 that long. Uh huh. Twelve minutes. Does that include walking in and also paying it to depends leave? Depends on how crowded it is. Yeah, now, it's, it's a holiday week, so mm-hmm. it may be a little bit longer. Though I'm on a tight schedule today, so they better not have a long wait. Yeah, or else what? I'll pull the old Greenway guy, and they'll go <laughs> sit down. Five more in front of you. We'll see you in just a little bit. Yeah. Sit down. Daniel's party of one. Yeah. Just sit down. We'll see you in a little bit. So, um, Last night, the Magic lost to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, the team is now off until they play Philadelphia in the first of two straight against the Sixers at home. The Sixers are 8-8, eight and eight, sitting in ninth place, uh, tied with the Knicks, or 8th and ninth place. How about that? Knicks-Sixers will be a playing game today. I would watch that. Uh, the Magic are five and thirteen. By the way, do you like how this the scheduling does stuff like this, where you kind of play teams? Yeah. Whenever well, they did this, partly coming out of COVID from mm-hmm. travel, and then the league decided to stick with this. The you Magic like it? Have, well, the Magic have a few of these coming up. I mean, they just did uh, of the two with Indiana, and now they've got two uh, with the Sixers coming up on Friday, and then on uh, uh, Monday. Uh, I'm sorry, Friday and Sunday. And then uh, they'll do it with two against Toronto, then two at Boston. So they've got a couple times coming up. So the Magic are five and thirteen, uh, and they right now in the East, if you care, they sit in thirteenth place. Charlotte and Detroit are behind them. Detroit at three and fifteen, uh, then Houston at three and fourteen of the worst records in the NBA. Um. This is all I'm saying about the Magic right now. This isn't a beat up on them. They lost. You know, they got eh, they got beat pretty handled by Indiana last night. They gave a game away against uh, the Pacers uh, before that. Last night, the list of injured players continued to grow for the Magic before the game. Wendell Carter Jr. didn't play with the strain right plantar fascia, uh, fascia. Um, and then it was okay. Here we go again uh, during the game as the Magic again without Paolo Banquera and everybody else sets up and out. And during the game last night, here comes a few more guys. Uh, Jalen Suggs uh, is dinged up again. And then Chumo KK uh, goes out with his knee injury. That's on the knee that he's had a a lot of issues with. And the Magic, again, are scrambling as to who can even get out there to form some sort of rotation. So let's repeat what I always say. I, I don't fault Jamal Mosley. I don't know how anybody can build something where you have no idea who's available from one game uh, to the next. Um, I, 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 I've said this multiple times. I don't know how you get a reading on Jamal Mosley's ability to coach because, one, it's different when you're coaching a team that is expected to contend for a playoff spot 
or to be a top four seed in the East versus I'm going to judge somebody on an ability to coach a group of young players to see if they get better as the year goes along and whether they're in the mix for playing or just progress of the beginning of the season to the end. I don't know how you do that with Jamal Mosley. I I don't know a year and a quarter into this. He there's so many injured players. And I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve both credit and some criticism at times, although I, I'm even delicate in the criticism. Like, well, what am I ripping? He's got like seven and a half guys that, that are trying to play a basketball game here. And how many games have the Magic played where they've got either no point guard or two guards? Uh, you're having forwards that are playing point forward for you. Uh, they, at times, can't well, their zone defense is very good, but but at times I, I can't fault it because of who who's there to play. And here's the point about it, okay? I don't know why they have so many injuries. I don't. I I I can't question conditioning and training and point fingers at people. I don't know why. And around the NBA, there are some teams that have similar injury issues like the Magic that have players that are out for the year or they've got three, four guys that, that aren't playing. Uh, a lot, and we discussed this, I think, a week or two weeks ago. Who even knows in the NBA anymore? I mean, you're not even required to get kind of specific in between load management and this guy's. Nobody knows who who's out how long. Right? We brought this up. I know Brandon's talked about this. Um, should the Magic be more transparent with injuries? Heck, should the NBA be? I don't even know on a night-to-night basis. So-and-so's not playing. Why? Eh, he's got this. But here's the other thing that's now happening with the Magic. Okay? This is 18 games into the season. It doesn't mean that you could take the record and say, well, this is, based on win percentage, this is how many games they're going to win. Which, if you want to do that, it's about 23. Okay? Maybe some of the injured guys come back. But you see how fast the quarter of the season's gone? You see how fast? By the time the Thanksgiving weekend ends, that'll be 20 games. That'll be a quarter of the NBA season. And then a quarter becomes a half. And then this is how another year goes by. Okay? And I'm not pointing a finger going, that guy is the reason for it. It's just the reality of where they now are. With so many guys injured... No rotation, no idea about, hey, this is our defensive stopper off the bench. This is what we are subbing in at these moments. This is the rotation. With no idea, you're a quarter into this season, and while you can look and go, hey, Bowl Bowl's been really nice, and that may be a great find, and it is. That's a positive. Palabon Carroll, no question, he's going to be a star. He's hurt right now. He'll be back. Yeah, I know. Um, but then go down the line of everybody else that in, that's injured. So there's no flow, there's no rotation, and it is a quarter into the season of, hey, it's going to be exciting to watch these guys play. And by the way, these guys, which I said, at least in my view, didn't even include Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac because I have no idea when one who hasn't played in two years is coming back, and then the other, with Sergeant Holka's big toe injury, I have no idea. 
So just on everybody else, and now you can't even get that. Cole Anthony's been out for a period of time. Suggs missed games. Now KK's going to be out. Wendell Carter Jr., bad luck. I, okay, I guess so. But that's how fast a quarter of the year went by. And then a quarter becomes a half. You know, 20 becomes 30 games. 30 becomes 40 games. And I'm not saying the team has held up the white flag. Because, again, I think if you watch this team, the guys compete. The guys play hard. They're short on talent, which is why they're 5-13. and 13, And they've been in a number of games. But if they can't get healthier and get some pieces back to get some sort of idea then that's how fast another season goes by. I mean, there's a lot of basketball left in this year, but it's just hard to judge. It's hard to judge the head coach. It's hard to judge some of your young players that are in and out. And I do think, my opinion, I do think sometimes when you're on a team that is not expected to compete for top seed, and top six gets you out of the play-in, yeah, I do think management tends to be more of, hey, we'll get him back, but let's be careful and be smart when we get him back. We're the guy that's on a team that is built to get into the top six to avoid the play-in, and the organizations with that impact player, I think there's a little bit more of an urgency to get back on the court versus, eh, you know, if we think we're going to end up near this spot, down in the standings, and eh, we don't have to rush people back as much. That's just where they are now at five and thirteen, with a bunch of guys injured, and no idea when. Heck, most of them are coming back. Back to wrap up our Tuesday show. We doing overtime? You want to do it overtime? You just said you have a jam packed after. That eh, we'll see. Uh, double shot. Teaser. I know what it is. I, if we're doing one, I got something planned. Then we'll do overtime. Okay. Oh, yeah. I just got to be out by a certain time. Mark's going to run through whether or not these guys are going to make the Baseball Hall of Fame. No. But who's this song? Who's this? Uh, this is Winger. What's the name of the song? Hungry. Oh. Winger. You're a big Winger guy, right? No. Really? I'm anti-Winger. I'm just not no, it sounds like you're anti-Winger. A big Winger guy. Your engineer? Time for the latest news, gossip, trends, and off-the-wall stories. Trends. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Uh, We're going to do a beat of sports overtime on Instagram Live coming up in a few minutes. Uh, Did you see what uh, King Solomon of Saudi Arabia has said? I like how you just mentioned it. Like, oh, yeah, it's King Solomon. Okay. Uh, What did he say? Uh, Tomorrow is a national holiday in Saudi Arabia. Okay. Saudi Arabia declares tomorrow a national holiday after upset win against Argentina. Salman, sorry, Salman. Okay. It's it, again, I the casual fan of the World Cup may not understand. This is this is a 16th seed beating a one. No, this is a this is a 20 seed beating a one. But I was going to say it's not like oh buck now they won before. No, this is like the 16th seed that was the seventh seed in their conference tournament. That got in with a losing record that was like 10 and 22 that beat the overall one seed. That's the equivalent of it. Uh, they were, by most people, the 32nd seed 
in uh, this tournament. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers landed in San Francisco. Uh, I mean, uh, Aaron Judge. Ooh. Are you getting nervous? No. You think he comes back? Yes. He's meeting uh, with the Giants, but that's okay. Meanwhile, the Yankees are apparently talking to Jacob DeGrom. Like, that that arm will hold up by mid-March. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> What's going on there? DeGrom, yeah. Verlander, Cole. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Uh, Going to be here tomorrow for a Wednesday show. A little bit of a uh, tweet to our normal Wednesday lineup. Uh, we'll talk with J.C. Carnahan tomorrow to preview the night of high school football playoff action, which is actually Friday and Saturday. He'll join us at 9.55 tomorrow. Uh, Keith Smith's weekly NBA visit. Do I still have a movie Wednesday? If not, I understand. There is a movie Wednesday. Okay, Wednesday. I wasn't sure. I wasn't yeah, sure. Of we gotta... there is. Thanksgiving's a big movie Wednesday. Okay, good. Yeah, so. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us today. If you miss any of our interviews, two and a half will be up at uh, a nice. I'm working on the. the I'm working on the other one. Tom, like the first sixty percent of the Danny, Danny Cannell interview work. I'm going to try to work my production. My production magic. See you tomorrow for a Wednesday show. Scott produced. I'm Mark Daniels. The Vita Sports.